on, everybody? Welcome to the very first episode of Best on the Board. I'm your host, Chris Meany of The Athletic, joined by Michael Beller, also of The Athletic. Super stoked to be working with Beller. And hey, I know that you're super stoked that finally week one is here, man. We're just like a little under 30 hours from Bears and Packers. Woo. I know it's it's great. It's crazy. It, it feel it. I'm so happy that uh, the season's here. We spent the last six weeks, two months, talking about getting to this point, both from uh, what we're going to be talking about here and from uh, the fantasy perspective of things. And now we get to put all that behind us and start talking about what we're actually seeing, not what we think we're going to see. <laughs> That's right. Lots of games to dissect, and we'll get into what this show is going to be all about from a week to week basis. What you can expect from Beller and myself. Obviously, this is going to be a picture show i'm sure we'll talk a little bit about fantasy why we like this game and it's probably kind of because of a couple players or why we don't because of a couple players so you'll be able to get a little bit of of fantasy knowledge from this show but that's really not what it's going to be about but before we get into what to expect here I just wanted to do a couple little housekeeping things off the top. I know, Beller, you're involved with several stuff over at The Athletic, uh, the advanced route, yourself and Emery Hunt. You just joined Nato Defino, podcast by committee. I'm doing a show with Brad Ziegler and Jake Seeley. So there's lots. Wherever you are listening to this show, it could be on The Athletic app, hopefully. It could be on iTunes, Spotify, wherever it is. I just wanted to throw out there that there is a great promotion right now. We just launched a, several podcasts over at The Athletic. Uh, that you could dive in and listen to, not just fantasy-related, covering teams, whether your favorite football team, your favorite baseball team has been going on for a few months now as we wrap up baseball season. But theathletic.com slash podcast expansion will get you 40% off. So not just access to all the podcasts, but all of the write-ups. you got Jake Seeley's rankings on there. You have chats with some of the best in the industry. And not just fantasy stuff, but the whole work. So if again, if you are listening, thanks for taking the time to hang out with us, wherever it is that you are listening. But I really encourage everybody to check out theathletic.com slash podcast expansion. That'll get yourself 40% off. All right, so let's talk about this show and what to expect. And Beller, why don't you just take it away? What we're going to do from a week-to-week basis? We we are not we're not going to touch on every single game. When we get into the meat of the season, when there's several teams on by, we probably will touch on every game. But there's 16 games this week, so really, we're just going to pick our favorites. Yeah, we're going to go favorite five, six, whatever it ends up being. And between the two of us, as we're going to see over the next uh, 20, 30 minutes or so, us having five or six of our own doesn't mean we're only going to touch on five or six games. More often than not, we're going to hit eight, nine. Maybe we'll talk about some of the ones that were fading for certain reasons. We're going to talk about this from really any sort of pick mindset that you could be in. So if you're making picks against the spread, whether it's just individual games or you're in some sort of pool, we've got you covered there. If you're in a survivor pool, we'll talk survivor picks. If you're doing a super contest style pool, we'll have you covered there as well. So really, if there's any way to pick a football game, we're going to talk about it here in Best on the Board every single week, and we hope that you uh, enjoy being along with the ride for us. Yeah, absolutely. So picks, and again, it's not that it's easy to sit up here and talk about you know money line, but we are going to be talking about spread picks, as you mentioned. We'll throw in some, hey, we really like this team on an over/under, or we really like the team implied total. Whether you're you know a prop better or whatnot, we're we're hopefully going to cover all the bases for you, and then at the very end, we're going to give a couple of our survivor picks as well. So uh, hopefully 
hopefully we have some different picks in, in terms of just survivors. So you have a couple different options. We'll talk about the strategy for that as well. Uh, but before we get into our first few picks, uh, you, you, you and I were talking off air, which I thought was you had, you had some great lines about, you know, what to about the people at home. Like we are just we're, we're not sharps here. Like we're, we're going to try our best. And for me, I'm not just going to give a pick for the sake of giving it. That's why we're going to pick a few. Uh, a few of our favorites. Some we leave off the board because, you know, I don't feel comfortable putting money on the line. So uh, I wouldn't mortgage your house, your car. Uh, we, we hope that this is going to be an entertaining show for you, give you some pocket change. Beller, I, I hear you're an iced coffee drinker. So, you know, hopefully <laughs> we'll, we'll have all the iced coffees paid for throughout the season. But we're not putting our foot down and saying, listen, you are going to win X amount of dollars. We're here to have some fun. Hopefully it's entertaining for you guys. Yeah, that's exactly what we set out to do here. Uh, Meanie and I are big sports fans. We know what we're talking about when we go into these picks and give you our favorite picks. It's not just going to be uh, that we got together, spun around three times the blindfold on and threw a dart at the board. Uh, we, have a, we have reasons that we will share with you for why we like the certain teams that we like, but we're not making any sort of grand promises. This is mostly for entertainment purposes. Hopefully it does accomplish that, and hopefully we win a little bit of money along the way. The one thing that I can tell you, though, that even though we're not making any any promises here, Chris and I are both uh, involved in these pools. Uh, we're both gamblers ourselves, so whether we win or not, we're going to be going right there with you. So we're not going to tell you to make a pick that we aren't ourselves going to be making on Thursday night, Sunday, Monday, whatever it might be. We're going to be right there with you, so we won't be hanging you out to dry. We'll be we'll be taking the ride right there with you. That's right, and we're going to hold ourselves accountable as well. Uh, at least I will. If I was wrong, I will <laughs> own up to it and apologize, and uh, we'll we'll get your guys' takes uh, in a little bit as well. Uh, so, Beller, let's let's get into it, man. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Like, we're we're bypassing a Thursday night game. Hopefully, you are listening to us uh, on Wednesday evening. Potentially, you you know maybe it's Thursday, Friday. We're just going to kind of focus on. On the Sunday games, and we'll talk a little bit about Monday Night Football as well. So I'll let you take it away. Uh, it doesn't have to be your favorite pick, but wh what's the one game that you felt most comfortable about, I guess? Uh, this is actually, this is my favorite pick, although the reason I'm starting off with it is because, like I said, uh, you know, we may have give five uh, favorite picks a piece, but it doesn't mean we're going to overlap a ton. This is actually the only game where we both uh, overlap, where we pick the same side, not only, uh, and one of the only few where we pick the same game even, uh, it's the Eagles minus nine and a half is the spread that we're using here uh, against Washington. Um, this, I, I'm a big fan of week one, uh, knowing the teams that we uh, have a good reason to believe are good. Um, and I think certainly Philadelphia is in there. Philadelphia enters the season as a Super Bowl contender for a reason. Washington, the total opposite end of that. Uh, this just has the feel of a very easy, almost like a uh, you know get me over curveball to get ahead 0-1. Uh, has that same sort of feel where let's not get too crazy. Philadelphia should be contending for the Super Bowl. Certainly should be one of the uh, best teams in the NFC East. We could all see Washington right back toward the top of the draft next year. I really like uh, Philadelphia to take care of business, protect home field, and come away with a relatively easy victory where they're keeping Washington at arm's length for the entire afternoon. Yeah, and, and you're right. You said it off the top. You know, We're actually going to talk about almost every game because we're a little bit different in, in our picks, but this is one that we're both on the same page and the only one, in fact, I think, we're both on the same page. So I'm in agreement with you. This is a game in Philadelphia at home. The Eagles have had success against Washington over the past three years, all victories. And, you know, they play them twice a week. And for the most part right now, this Eagles team is healthy. I know that there's some questions with Carson Wentz moving forward. Can he stay healthy the last two years? 
he hasn't been able to stay healthy, but the offensive line is at least intact. It's healthy right now. Uh, a ton of weapons for Carson Wentz to throw the ball to, and really just not a ton of weapons on the other side in Washington. There's just really not a whole lot to like right now. Trent Williams holding out, so that is that's a negative, you know, off the get-go. I think we all want Dwayne Haskins to get in there. Maybe they'll be better down the road with Haskins, but it is Keenum week one to start, and and that's not great news for Washington. So I'm with you. I tend to stay away from these big spreads week one in division yeah. division rivals especially. Uh, but I, I have no problem. It should be it should be a cakewalk. So the, it, the Eagles actually opened up as minus eight. And guys, lines are going to change from time to time. I'm sure before you make your picks, if you're one of the if you're one of the people who likes to just make your picks late Sunday, last second, lines are going to change. The Eagles opened up as eight point favorites. They are now nine point five. Some spots ten, and the over under opened up at forty six and a half, and it's at forty five. So I feel pretty comfortable at least taking the Eagles um, on the spread. So that's where we're the same. I'll let you go ahead with your second pick because I think we're going to be a little bit different here. <laughs> yeah, let's uh, let's go there. This is the only other game that we both picked a side. Uh, uh, we're picking different sides in this one. I like Minnesota uh, at home against Atlanta. We have the line at four. It's been right in that range, four, four and a half. It opened at four and a half, uh, and it's down to four in most places. Um, I, I understand the argument for the Falcons, but for me, uh, I just like the fact that we know everything uh, is in place right now in Minnesota. I think this is a team that was uh, played w- to way less than what its natural talent level was last year, and everything is there now. Uh, you've got a healthy Dalvin Cook. Uh, you have a uh, offensive coordinator in Kevin Stefanski who seems to be on the same page as his head coach, Mike Zimmer. That was not necessarily the case with Zimmer and DeFilipp- J- uh, John DeFilippo last season and it resulted in DeFilippo's firing. Uh, and I really think that this Minnesota offense uh, is uh, sort of a sleeping giant. They didn't get talked about a ton in the offseason when we talked about uh, the best offenses in the league, whether it was the pure best with you know, Kansas City and the Rams and the Saints, or whether it was ascending offenses. You heard a lot about Arizona with Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury, about what Tampa might be able to do with Bruce Arians taking over there. Maybe Chicago takes a step forward in year two under Matt Nagy. Maybe Green Bay gets back on the right track with Matt LaFleur as the new head coach. You didn't really hear a lot about Minnesota, but uh, Kirk Cousins, uh, Stephon Diggs, Adam Thielen, Dalvin Cook, it's a very dangerous offense, I think. And I think that they can really get at Atlanta, especially playing at home. For me, uh, I would have had to see this number up about another point and a half or two points to be scared off the Vikings at home. We know what they can do defensively. We know what sort of coach Mike Zimmer is on that side of the ball. It all adds up to what I think is going to be a good game, one of the best games of week one, but one where Minnesota ends up winning this game by, say, a touchdown or so. I really like the Vikings here. I love the fact that they're getting uh, off the stu- the uh, get off on the home foot this year. Yeah, you're making me a little nervous, Beller, with my <laughs> with my Falcons. You know, you bring up good points, tons of tons of great points there. Minnesota being at home, obviously, is one of them. Um, you know, the Falcons also playing in a dome. So I, I do give the advantage, of course, to Minnesota, you know, playing at home. But the Falcons should be fine inside the dome as well. Uh, you know, I, I agree. I think this is going to be a really competitive football game. For me, it's almost like like Vegas is begging me to take the Falcons at four. I really just feel like it's it's going to be a field goal game. So I, I'm on Atlanta. I, I think they have a better quarterback in Matt Ryan. Last year, there was a lot of issues defensively for the Falcons, a lot of injuries. They're healthier right now. Both teams can actually bring it defensively, despite looking at last year's numbers. I think the, both teams just dealt with a, with a few injuries that kind of held them back. And you were talking about just this division, Minnesota. I mean, 
underrated move bringing in Kup- Gary Kubiak. I mean, a guy who mm-hmm. who knows about the run game and Dalvin Cook, can he stay healthy? So for me, I just feel like this will be a competitive game. I just, I just think honestly, this has field goal written all over it. A field goal game. Whoever has the ball last. I don't feel like it's going to be a complete track meet. Although we talked about the over under being at forty seven and a half, opening up, moving up to forty eight right now. It is one of the higher totals of the week. I don't believe that it will be that kind of track meet but I think it could be because you have weapons all over the place so I honestly think Atlanta is the most complete more of the complete team between the two Uh, but it's close it it really is close to me but honestly it's just I think it's going to be a field goal game and I think that's what we'll see I I would I would pick Minnesota on the money line but I do feel like it's just going to be fewer than four so I think they covered there all right so we're we got off the off the get-go here, one one game that we like together, one that we don't like. So it's nice to just be different. And then from here on out, it really is going to be uh, different. And I'll just I'll start here with the next game. And I was going to leave this one off, Beller, because I felt like potentially it could be a trap. Not too often do you see a team at home week one as like seven-point dogs. So I'm talking Dolphins at home against the Baltimore Ravens. A Ravens team heading into Miami. Uh, seven-point favorites, and just looking at how things opened up, and there's been a lot of movement since early on in the offseason to right now. Baltimore opened up as three-and-a-half-point favorites. If you were able to jump on them early, uh, you're loving that because that's a much better number than seven, and in some spots, six-and-a-half. So the over-under here for this game opened up at 36-and-a-half. It's at 37-and-a-half, according to Westgate. So for me... And this could be a trap, and I'll get your thoughts after. It certainly could be a trap where Baltimore's offense just struggles slightly. They want to run the football there. I love the under. It's one of my favorite totals of the game because Baltimore is going to run the ball. And my thinking here is with Miami, some of the trades that they have made, Tonsilov gone from from the line. You have Stills gone, a, a new coach, a very weak offense. Fitzpatrick, I'm sure, is capable of bombing a couple out. Week one, strange things happen. Let's not forget week one (laughs) last year, what happened in New Orleans when Fitzpatrick went off and Tampa was able to get that upset. Strange things do happen in week one, but I'm just really confident in this Ravens team. Top five last year against the pass. Top five last year against the run. And Miami just struggling to stop the run. So I think Baltimore will do enough with Lamar Jackson, with the addition of Mark Ingram, what they want to do on offense, run the ball, slow the clock down a little bit. I think that they should be able to at least get to 20 points. And I'm just not sure Miami can get to 10. So that's where I'm thinking. I know it's a lot of points for a road team and it's tough to, to back a, a home, you know, a team at home, just, you know, getting that many points, but I'm pretty confident that at least Baltimore will get this done. Yeah, if I were forced to pick a side in this one, it would be Baltimore. Um, I worry about what you said right at the beginning, just that you know, as excited as we are about what Baltimore's offense could be with a fully unleashed Lamar Jackson, that's still really a theory right now. Uh, and I love Mark Ingram. Uh, this is a guy who I targeted aggressively in fantasy drafts and auctions. I really thought that he's a perfect fit for what they're going to want to do offensively. But again, until we see it, I have trouble 
giving seven with them on the road, even against a team like the Dolphins that unless you know some sort of miracle strikes Miami, they're going to be one of the worst teams in the NFL. I think it's pretty safe to say that. I feel comfortable uh, in that belief. But uh, still, I just look at it all. And again, this, this sort of drives home what we said when we were introducing the show. We're not just going to throw picks at you because right. you know they feel decent. you got to really believe in these picks. We're not going to tell you to do something unless we truly believe in it. And for me... I just can't fully get behind that Baltimore offense. I could see them winning this game comfortably, but having a slow start and by comfortably they win uh, 17-10 or you know, uh, uh, 19-13, where they've got Miami at arm's length all game. Miami never has the ball and an opportunity to tie or take the lead, but just because of maybe some slow starts for what could be a transitioning offense in Baltimore – uh, they can't quite get ahead of that uh, of that seven number. So that's why I stay away from it a little bit. But I do think you've got it diagnosed right. If you're going to go one way, I don't see how you possibly back Miami. Yeah, and and you know what? Out of all the games, this is probably the one I'll sweat out the most, to be honest with you, because I could f- – exactly. It could play out that way where maybe the offense struggles just a little bit at times. Certainly, like, you, you nailed it with the theory of Lamar Jackson. And it could just be Tucker Field goal. And we've seen this before from Baltimore. You rely on the defense, mm-hmm. move the ball, move the chains a little bit, kick field goals, kick field goals, kick field goals. Like eventually they're going to have to, you know, get into the end zone. This could be a 9 nothing game at half, and then I'm sweating it out a little bit. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden one Lamar Jackson fumble, and it goes the other way. Like there's a lot of possibilities here, but I'm just relying on a team that I think defensively they're not going to give up too much. So if they can get to double-digit points, it might be fine, but probably going to sweat it out. Let's let's go to your, your number three pick. Who are you feeling? All right, I'm going to go with uh, one of my uh, uh, dogs that I'm backing this week. Uh, gave you a couple of favorites already in the Eagles and Vikings. So one dog that I like, the first one that really jumped out at me, uh, is the Arizona Cardinals, another team playing at home. Uh, we've got them right now at plus two and a half. Last I checked, is that still where it is? Oh, Westgate's got it up to now plus three uh, for Arizona. And they are at home against the Detroit Lions. Um Look, I think the Lions are going to be a tricky team to figure out early in the season. This is another team sort of in the same vein that I talked about with Minnesota. Got no attention in the offseason. I think largely owes to the fact that they're in a division with Chicago, Green Bay, and Minnesota. Three teams that people are liking this year. Uh, I think they could be better than that. Uh, Their record might not ultimately reflect it at the end of the season because of what is a very tough division that they have to play in. Six games against those three teams. Uh, But still, I, I... cannot wrap my head around why this team is favored by a field goal against anyone Mm -hmm. on the road. And you throw that team into Arizona, an offense that, like Baltimore, still just a theory right now, but one we're pretty excited about. And I think that you give uh, this Arizona team an entire offseason, basically, and certainly the last couple of weeks to uh, get ready for what Detroit's going to throw at it, especially with that admittedly strong front four. I think Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray are going to be able to be able to dial up enough to get a win here. And basically for me, when I see a, a line that's under three, I'm going to lean in the direction of, uh, of the team I think is going to win. Now, obviously, there's a little bit of a window there uh, where it, necess- it won't always work out, but... I just really like Arizona to come out of this one and protect home field, get a victory. I think that offense is going to be something special this season. I think Kyler Murray is uh, another one of these young quarterbacks who is ready to take to the NFL immediately in his rookie year. And I think we're going to be talking about this offense as a potentially special thing after week one. Ballard's drinking the zone of Kool-Aid. I like it. You know, I I like the call. It's amazing what has changed since 
you know, when these lines opened up and now, you know, maybe you're listening to this show and, and you're just, you're, you're a big better and you, and you jumped all over this early. We talked about the Baltimore one, three and a half on the road and, and it's, it's moved up like another field goal, maybe tough to get behind, but this was a pick a couple weeks ago. Is it because Murray had like a mediocre second preseason game that they just, I, I agree with you. I'm, I find it hard to believe that Detroit can be favored by any team in the NFL on the road by three yeah. points. So, yeah, if I had to choose as well, I, I would lean with the home team here. And, you know, this morning on the throwback on Wednesday with Seeley and Ziegler, we were talking about win totals, and I was a little shocked that Vegas was given Detroit seven because of what you talked about. I mean, the division is just so tough. Three solid teams that you're going to play six times, and the rest of the schedule wasn't easy as well. Uh, so that's one that I I like the under mm-hmm. uh, in terms of just win totals and yeah I mean I, you know we we really haven't we haven't seen this offense yet I know they were talking about how you know it's a vanilla offense they haven't shown anything yet so it, it is going to be exciting they're going to be one of the most intriguing teams I think to watch Arizona because you know the defense is not great the offensive line is not great they're going to have to get creative they're going to be you know throwing the ball playing up tempo offense so uh, I do like that call by you I couldn't get behind it I just felt maybe a game that was a little bit safer for me and I know a lot of people are really digging the Carolina Panthers this year I'm seeing some predictions of them potentially winning the division sneaking in as a wild card team but I like the Rams man I, I really do I and the last time we saw them there's on, on Super Bowl and they were awful recency bias plays into effect I'm sure and a lot of people want anything to do with Jared Goff because he played that game well listen he had he got Belichacked Two weeks to, you know, prepare, and <laughs> they picked apart what Goff and everybody was going to bring. And there's a lot of talk about Sean McVay and not giving plays to Goff in the headset helmet. I don't want to hear about any of that. This guy is an offensive genius. He's going to make adjustments. He's had all summer to prepare for a game in Carolina. I understand that they're on the road. For me, I don't think Cam is fully healthy. I know he's going to play in this game. I'm intrigued with some of his weapons and DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel and and McCaffrey. They've done a great job of just bringing in skilled guys, get the ball to them in space, and watch them make plays. But for me, the Rams on the other side is a legit offense. I'm not in the camp of believing in Todd Gurley this year. But I'll tell you what, week one is probably the most he's going to be healthy. So I think he's actually going to get a heavy dose of touches in that first week. And, hey, Two and a half. I mean, it opened up as the Rams being three-point favorites. Now two and a half. All they got to do is win by a field goal. Sign me up for LA. I'm I'm on board with them. Yeah, I, I feel like that's got to be about as high as you can make it realistically. Uh, I mean, because then we're calling this like a a five and a half point spread on a neutral field, eight and a half uh, if this were in LA, and that feels like it's about right. Um, you know, this one, if if I were if I had to pick a side, I might be tempted to lean Carolina. Uh, and it's just because of uh, of all the weapons that they're going to be able to throw at the Rams. Um, I know I just said that usually if the, if the spread's this low, then I'm just going to want to probably trust whoever I think is going to win the game. And if I'm picking this game straight up, I do like the Rams. But something about everything that Carolina is going to be able to put together, and I think that Cam's injury is going to prove to be much ado about nothing, at least in terms of 2019. Uh, obviously, it really hampered him at the end of 2018, but I think we're going to end up seeing a guy who's healthy, who's ready to go, who's ready to do what he needs to do to make this Carolina Panthers team a dangerous one in the 2019 season. Uh, it, this was a, a total stay away for me. I just mm-hmm. One that I just cannot get any sort of read on, and that just what it had me concerned. The fact that both teams... There's a realistic scenario for either of these teams to go 12-4 and four or better this season, and it's such a small line, and it's week one. 
just really had all the makings of a stay away for me. Yeah, and, and high team implied totals. I mean, if you're you know into the DFS, you're trying to make tough decisions on who to start in your weekly lineups. And we have the Rams at 25.5 team implied total, the Panthers at 23.5. There's not a lot of teams that are both projected to get 20 points. I mean, the Falcons 20 and a half. We talked about that earlier, uh, and Minnesota 26 and a half. So you'll you, that game potential shootout. This one, another one potential shootout as well. You know, you touched on Cam and quickly before we move on from this game. Do you think he changes style? I know it's. It's probably tough to say, you know, he doesn't want to change his style. He is who he is at this point. He's taken mm. a lot of beatings over the past couple of years. Somebody is coming off, you know, a shoulder injury. Apparently he is fine. Again, we talked about some of the playmakers that they brought in. Doesn't have to make deep throws like we've seen in the past with Calvin Benjamin or Devin Funches. we got some guys who can play in the slots and end arounds. They can be creative with their offense. Do you think, though, that he changes his style? Maybe he runs a little bit less, or is this just the old camp? I think he's going to be a, a, a smarter Cam. And not not to say what he did before wasn't smart, but smarter in that he understands that, you know, I'm not the I'm not the same guy I was 8 years ago. My body can't necessarily take what it can what it took then uh, based on all the hits that it, I've received over the last 8, 9, 10 years going all the way back uh, to his college days. So I think we're going to see a smarter I feel like feels like sort of a uh, like a patronizing word, but a more cautious Cam. A guy who understands like you know, I look around, and this is probably the best collection of skill position talent I've had in my time here. With McCaffrey, with DJ Moore, Definitely. Curtis Samuel, a healthy Greg Olson, at least to start the season. Even if something happens there, Ian Thomas is a nice backfill at the tight end spot. So there's a lot to work with on this Carolina offense. And I think Cam uh, will have the understanding that, unlike years past, it's not all on him. Or it doesn't need to be 80% on him. And he can use these guys in ways that he wasn't able to use, say, you know, Devin Funches. Right, and I think we're going to see a pretty special year um, out of uh, out of this team. I do like them. I think they're going to be a team that threatens the playoffs, and that's just another reason why. As good as the Rams are going to be, the fact that I think Carolina has a couple of tweaks to make and could be a special team. Uh, is a reason why this was a, a pretty easy stay away for me. So there's been a lot of line movement. We talked about that off the top. It's it's, it's really going to happen. And one of the games that we've seen, you know, quite a bit of line movement is the, the matchup between the Chargers and the Colts. Obviously, you know, large in part because Andrew Luck retired, uh, took that big surprise, and he's gone. So originally, the Chargers were three and a half point favorites. The total was 48. It's now. 44 and a half and the chargers are six and a half point favorites you think that's too high this is a pure public fade i mean who thinks that the colts are keeping this game within a touchdown right i mean this is this i mean this this has all the makings of vegas begging you to just look at this line and be like oh chargers got to win by a touchdown no andrew luck this is a layup it just said like it feels way too convenient that after Luck retired, this came in at six and a half. That this came in just under that nice seven threshold, nice pretty uh, uh, unround number. This is just what you want to see at six and a half. It just feels like uh, Vegas basically making a bet on the Colts being able to keep this game respectable. And, and I think they can. I think that uh, Jacoby Brissett, uh, even though we haven't seen a ton of it, is a much different quarterback than he was in 2017. Forget about 2017, all right? There was, yeah, T.Y. Hilton there. Basically, no one else, uh, everyone else in this offense is new, uh, from Marlon Mack, Eric Ebron. He did have a nice relationship with Jack Doyle back in that 2017 season. Uh, you went from Chuck Pagano, a defensive-minded coach, and his last year was basically a lame duck that entire season. Now you have a offensive-minded, forward-thinking head coach in Frank Reich, a guy who Brissett has now been working with for uh, th this being his second season 
under Reich. I just think that he is a much better quarterback than he was in 2017. I'm not saying he's a top 20 quarterback in the NFL, but I think with everything that Indianapolis has offensively, uh, he can keep this game within a touchdown. And, and remember, a lot of injuries already on the Chargers side of defense. Yes. And out obviously and this is a team that is star-crossed when it comes to injuries and that is carried over here into 2019 I think the Chargers win I just don't think they win by a touchdown I think the Colts keep Colts keep this one respectable throughout yeah when you and I were talking back and forth earlier in the week uh you know I'd liked that call by you and I, I had them on my board as well I was I was very intrigued very interested and I agree with a lot of points that know you just made and even from a fantasy standpoint you know watching ty hilton and marlon mack fall down draft boards over the past week or so has just made me jump all over their value i have a lot of belief in frank reich and what he does and what he did in philadelphia and what he was able to do with nick Foles and playing to their strengths i mean i agree that jacoby Brissett is not that bad of a quarterback this is very different than 2017 this has a very different feel this is one of the better offensive lines in football Marlon Mack, I think, will be fine. T.Y. Hilton, I think, will be fine. And like you said, there are just plenty more options in this offense. We, we mentioned Devin Funches. Whether you whether you like him or not, it was certainly an upgrade as a number two or number three weapon for Jacoby Brissett than what he had in 2017. So there's some guys, Paris Campbell, they drafted. There, there's some guys in this offense that they, you know, they can make work. So I'm in lockstep with you just because I don't have it as my six. I do feel pretty strong about the Chargers playing uh, playing this game close, and la- or the Colts rather. And last year with the Chargers, I mean, they played at a slow pace, and and you know they didn't really blow a ton of teams out. So one of the teams that just played, you know, at this whether that you like that from a DFS standpoint, a fantasy standpoint, hitting overs. Uh, don't be surprised if this is a slower pace game, and the Colts try to do that as well with you know their run game and Marlon Mack. So I'd be hesitant. Um, you know, betting the over, at least on this game. Like I said, the, the number has changed significantly. It was 48, now it's 44 and a half. I think that's a fair number, but, I, you know, I wouldn't feel too strong about picking the over. Uh, I don't think that this is, is going to be a shootout. All right, let's move over to one of my fi- – I guess this is where I swapped out. There was a couple that I that I took out and I put in, and I was kind of back and forth just a little bit, but I feel strong right now putting in the Kansas City Chiefs three-and-a-half-point favorites. I understand that it is in Jacksonville, and the public really have been on the Jags. I mean, since this game opened up at Kansas City, it was minus five. They were minus five favorites. The over-under hasn't changed, 52-and-a-half. In fact, yeah, it has actually. I lied to you guys. It was (laughs) 52-and-a-half. Now it's 52. So really, it hasn't changed, just slightly. Uh, You get that push if, you know, it hits at that number on 52. But the line has changed a little bit, three-and-a-half favorites. And this is kind of where it all went downhill for Jacksonville last year when, when they played the Chiefs. And, you know, it was it was a 30-14 game. It was fairly tight at the point. Uh, from there on out, Jacksonville kind of just went downhill. And I know that that game was in Kansas City and this one is in Jacksonville. And I know that defense is a lot better than what we saw from them last year. Nick Foles in at quarterback. Certainly take care of the football. They want to run the football with Leonard Fournette. He seems healthy at least to start the season. D.D. Westbrook looks like a nice piece. I feel like Jacksonville will be much improve and I think they have a shot to win the division but I think people are just forgetting how good Kansas City is and for me I think that this is a team that can certainly I wish it was at three three and a half is a little scary you gotta win by more than the field goal I'll be honest with you there but I do feel like at the end of the day with Andy Reid in this offense having the entire offseason to prepare for week one in Jacksonville I think that Patrick Mahomes and company will have success I don't think the Chiefs defense is going to be as bad as what we saw last season out of them so I do feel like the Chiefs uh, get this get this done. And in fact, 
you know, if I was picking and making picks, and people may not want to hear this, but it would only be Chiefs by four or five, which is really close to that number. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I still am pretty confident that they'll be able to get this win. Yeah, another stay away for me because of uh, Jacksonville's ceiling. I think that could be a much improved offense uh, with uh, DiFilippo there, with uh, Nick Foles, a major upgrade from Blake Bortles. Uh, but uh, I think that everything you said is right on with the Chiefs and that uh, it's almost like there is some latent Chiefs fatigue happening. Mm. And the people uh, with everything that went down with um, Kareem Hunt last year and then Tyreek Hill during the offseason, uh, that people uh, aren't focusing on what's good about this team um, and that they are going to be a, a another just another excellent offensive season coming from the Kansas City Chiefs. I, I really think that doesn't really matter what defense is on the other side, just like it really didn't matter for them last year. The points are going to be flying up on the board. So there's a lot of uh, there's a lot to like in Kansas City this year. I just couldn't quite get there with uh, Jacksonville's ceiling. I could easily see them, you know, mucking this game up, keeping it close, maybe even winning outright. And for me, that's why it didn't make one of my best selections. It's tough. I, I've given five picks and four of these teams are on the road. I mean, it's not the, the recipe for success, really. But these are, like I said, week one can get a little wacky. And I think Vegas is just underestimating what Kansas City can do on offense. So let's round things out for you. Who's your final pick? Yeah, I got two here in mind, but uh, I've been sort of thinking about I've been saving these two for the end because I've been rolling them around in my head the last few days deciding which one I want to go with. And I'm going to go with the Jets uh, against the Bills. The other one, in case you were wondering, oh, is Raiders. Oh, that's right. You do have another one. Yeah. Well, you can give yeah, them both. A, you can give them both. I, I, can get through these, but I can get through these relatively quickly. Uh, the, the, the Jets against the Bills. Uh, Jets are at home against Buffalo. They are minus three. It opened at three and a half. It's down to three. It's been at three for Quite a while, though, now. I mean, open at three and a half, but that was, that was a little bit ago. Uh, it's been a, a solid field goal. I think that's a fair line. I think both these teams, right, if someone, if someone woke you up in a, from a coma in four months and said, hey, the Bills went 10 and 6, you would say, yeah, that, I can see how that could happen. Or if someone said, hey, the Jets went 10 and 6, you'd say the same thing. There are paths to success for both of these teams. I just really believe in the Jets a little bit more. And the fact that I'm getting them at home and not really paying any premium for getting them at home is why I like them. I think that this is going to be one of the surprise offenses in the NFL this year. Sam Darnold uh, had some really special moments last year. He had some uh, strong moments at the end of the season, special sprinkled throughout. Um, I'm not too concerned about Adam Gase and Dowell Loggins coming over. I think that they – played with the hands that were dealt them in Miami and in Chicago, and now they get a completely different offense because of the acquisition of Le'Veon Bell. And say what you will about Gase not wanting Le'Veon Bell, that had nothing to do with Le'Veon Bell, the player. That had everything to do with the contract attached to a guy like Le'Veon Bell. But now that he's got the player, I think he's going to make really good use of him. Robbie Anderson's calf injury does concern me a little bit, but I think this is going to be a sneaky Good offense. I think I, I, don't, I think we're going to look up at the end of the season and we're going to see the Jets as you know maybe a you know, top ten or twelve uh, yards per play sort of team. I think that there's enough talent on this offense throughout, and I think Sam Darnold is equipped to make that next step this season that we see them as one of the better offensive teams in the league. So I, I think that gets put on display this week. I believe in Sam Darnold far more than I believe in Josh Allen when it comes to winning football games, and because of that. I really think that getting the Jets at three is a little bit of a blessing in this one. Yeah, this this was one that I, I'm in I'm in agreement. Like I'm and my pick'em 
pool where I just have to pick and not spread. I will pick the Jets at home. This was It was tough for me to get behind because I do feel like this is a bit of a coin flip. This is the division rival stuff we talked about off the top when we were, we were mentioning the Eagles and the Redskins. And, you know, when you look at those two teams on paper, there's a big difference. I feel like – I like Sam Darnold in this offense. I think it's going to be surprisingly one of the better offenses – in the league, I mean, bringing a guy like Le'Veon Bell, like you talked about, I mean, they're going to use him. And then there's weapons around for Sam Darnold, at least more weapons for him than there are for Josh Allen. I really do like this Bills defense, and that's where I that's where I kind of just stepped away a little bit from this game. I feel like mm-hmm. it could be um, potentially a field goal game, one of those 21-20 feels. Maybe the Jets win by a point or two, like some field goals in there that kind of mess with the score. Uh, so I, I did stay away, but I – I'm, man, I'm feeling a lot of what you're throwing down with the Jets. Like there, there's some reason to be excited, optimistic about this squad taking a step forward this season, and and eventually, you know, the Patriots are going to fall off this division, and it's not going to be this season, but it, it's close. When you talked about, you know, waking up and seeing either of these teams at ten and six, it's very, very possible. So I stayed away, and I jumped the gun. I only was giving you five picks, not six. <laughs> so I'll let you take it away with your final pick here. Yeah, I'll keep this one short. I, I just am not even the slightest bit convinced that Denver's a better team than Oakland. And this line treats them like that they are definitely, without question, a better team. There's been so much uh, noise surrounding Oakland this season that it's been easy to look at them uh, with sort of a sideways glance and say, I don't want to get tied up with that team at all. But you forget about that for a second, and you look at this offense, and there's a lot to like here. I mean, I don't think Derek Carr's a world beater by any stretch of the imagination, but I think he's a competent quarterback, and you give him Antonio Brown, Tyrell Williams, uh, uh, Josh Jacobs, Jalen Richard. you put these weapons around him. If Darren Waller is what he showed he might be uh, during, during, the, uh, during training camp and during the exhibition season, you've got a lot of really nice weapons around him, and uh, Denver's going to re- put a lot of pressure on them, obviously. Bradley Chubb and Von Miller – Going to get after the quarterback uh, no matter how good your line is. And Oakland still has some questions uh, along its offensive front. Uh, You've got Chris Harris in the secondary, so he can do a lot of good work on whoever he ends up on. But I just think that Oakland's offense is not getting quite the respect it deserves for what it has on paper. Uh, It's got to put that together, and Derek Carr's got to be better than he was last year. Uh, But on paper, I think this is actually a pretty dangerous offense. I didn't even mention Hunter Renfro. I think he's going to be a really uh, skilled slot receiver for this team. So I look at this, and you're getting a pick'em spread. Oakland opened as a three-point favorite, but it's all the way down to a PK. I just think that Oakland's the better team, and they're playing at home. And for whatever reason, the marketplace is treating Denver as though it's the better team, but that's a team that I think has a ton of offensive questions, and I just don't feel that same way about Oakland. So I feel totally comfortable uh, backing the Raiders knowing that a win is a win. Yeah, you're right. A win is a win. That's that's the thing. It's a pick I mean, the Raiders open up as three-point favorites. The, li- the line was 43. The the total, it's it stayed at 43, but now it's now it's a pick So. Yeah, I'm with you. I, you know what? Again, it's just it's one of those one of those games where two mediocre teams are playing each other, and I just don't want to put you know my money on the line with a game that I think could go either way. But you you bring up some good points. I think you know Oakland does you know have some players in that offense now. I really like Tyrell Tyrell Williams, like Renfro, who, who you just mentioned. But one thing I was looking at Carr and like you know nine games against against Denver. I mean he's only averaged 196 yards passing, six of the nine under 200 yards, only 10 touchdowns in those nine games. But never this had is, Antonio Brown in those games. But I, that's where I was going to go. <laughs> and I was like, never had arguably the best wide receiver who a lot of people are counting out. 
You know, honestly, yeah. they are they, because of all the offseason noise. And even as recently as today, I mean, posting, you know, is fine from Mike Mayock. Uh-huh. I mean, there always just seems to be something with Antonio Brown. But the one thing that stays constant is he's one of the better wide receivers in football. And, and w- let me just say, if any of us wants no, none of us know what's we know that these things are happening. And that yeah. I guess if it was up to us, he wouldn't be, you know, posting is fine from Mike Mayock <laughs> uh, online. Yeah. But l- that like none of us. None of us can say with any certainty that that's going to have any effect on his play. Right. So knowing that, I'm going to go ahead and trust the guy who's been the best receiver in the NFL for the last six or seven years and who has uh, is on you know one of the, I don't know, two, three best wide receiver runs over six years that we've ever seen in NFL history. If he were 38 years old, that would maybe be one thing, but this is still a guy in his early 30s. Uh, until Antonio's play on the field proves that we should have been worried about him because of what was happening in the summer, I'm going to choose to believe it was just drama, nonsense, and that once the uh, once the cleats and the helmets are on, that he's going to be totally good and totally himself. Absolutely. I'm in agreement with you there as well. And not to mention they got a nice young fresh back in Josh Jacobs who can make, make things happen as well that I think people should be excited about. Okay, so for my final game, I threw, these, I threw this in there um, this morning. We'll talk about Seattle in just a little bit and why kind of got off of them and just that large spread but uh, I feel more comfortable about the brownies and I know the hype is there and they're going to be a popular team to bet on and you know over you know at the Super Bowl in Vegas at Caesars Palace I jumped on the Browns at 16 to 1 I didn't know they were going to get Odell Beckham Jr and then the second that they got them all of a sudden it's just like oh you can't even really bet this team because there's not a lot of value and that's going to happen throughout the year they're going to be favorites they they you know new coaching staff Odell Beckham comes in hype for the first time in a long time a lot of people are expecting something out of this squad and they're playing a lot of primetime games I even believe like they got this the, the CBS crew with Tony Romo heading over there and that's just to goes goes to show how much hype is surrounded by Cleveland because they're playing the Tennessee Titans right now it's not like it's a marquee matchup that everyone wants to watch it's just this is the the aura in Cleveland they really got that crew I saw it this morning yeah I over Oh, no, Patriots-Steelers is Sunday night. Sunday night, which, oh, yes, okay. and that was my first initial thing. It was like, <laughs> yeah. no, you know, Romo is going to be doing Steelers and, and Pats. Yeah. But, no, I saw it this morning, all the breakdowns. of wow. and it's And it's nothing. It's it, it's nothing. It's, it, shouldn't, it shouldn't make you feel different <laughs> about the game, like a game more or not. It's just me talking about the hype that's in Cleveland. Uh-huh. Uh, and that's just, again, right off the get-go. Because, to me, if I had to choose a few games to watch, yeah, I love Cleveland. I'm excited about what they want to do, but it's not one of them. Right? I'd rather watch yeah. a couple other games. Anyways, Cleveland <laughs> playing Tennessee. This is more to me about two teams heading in different directions. One on the yep. rise, one on the fall. The Titans, now I don't want to take too much stock in a preseason, but I've seen enough over the past couple of years of Marcus Mariota that he makes me sick. And I just don't have a lot of confidence in him. Another change, like he's dealt with a lot of offensive coordinators over the past couple of years, and I've always just given him passes. And, yeah, he gets his boy Delaney Walker back, and they draft a guy in Brown who can help. Corey Davis, they got a nice safety blanket perhaps, and Adam Humphreys. Like maybe they lean on the run game here. But I just see a situation where I see Cleveland – Getting up in this game maybe early, maybe they get a touchdown or two and three of their first five drives, whatever it is, and Tennessee just not being able to lean on on Derrick Henry and what they want to do in that offense and forcing Marcus Mario to throw. So I think Cleveland has some players in the secondary, some guys who can get after the quarterback. So this is a number originally that I was just like, ah, five, that's a really good number. I don't know. And then I, I kind of just 
was thinking and painting that game script and that and how things would go, paint that picture. And I feel like Cleveland will, will do enough early to get up, which will force Tennessee into a situation they just don't really want to be in. So I will back the Brownies at home. I don't think that they're going to win by 14, 17 points. I feel like, you know, at least by a touchdown and, you know, I'll be comfortable with that. So what's your thoughts on, on Cleveland and Tennessee? You with me or yeah, I wanted to piggyback and say that uh, in the Super Contest pool that I'm in, I could see by the time Sunday gets here, we're recording this on a Wednesday, I could see by the time Sunday gets here, this one's seeping into my brain a little bit more and me wanting to back it. I think that if the Browns had anything other than Cleveland or Browns across their jersey, or if we could wipe out what we knew about this franchise for the last 20 years, that we would be all talking about them as right there with the Chiefs, as a Super Bowl favorite, as the best offense in the NFL. Because on paper, this is just a ridiculous assemblage of talent on both sides of the ball. Yes, both sides. It's an excellent defense, too. And talking about a defense that's going to wreak havoc on quarterbacks, I mean, they just feel like they are perfectly set up to succeed in today's NFL in that they can uh, push the ball down the field, with multiple weapons. They've got a running back who can hit a home run anytime he touches the ball. And then they've got a defense where if you give them a a 7 or a 10 or a 14-point lead, they can just totally end it by getting after the quarterback. So I think this is going to be a very dangerous team. I think if Browns-Titans were two months from now, that this line could be you know somewhere in the nine and a half range. Uh, so I really do. Uh, I think you're. I think you're on the right track here, and I think this Cleveland team is going to be one that uh, uh, totally lives up to the hype that has been built up for them over the summer. Yeah, a lot of hype, but I'm I'm on board. I'm driving the bus too. This is a team. <laughs> I, I and I just want them to. Do, I'm just rooting for them. I just want them to right. do well too. Yeah. Um. Just yeah. So much awfulness from this mm-hmm. squad over for the two past decades. Yeah, two what decades. a letdown it would be if uh, they finally were able to get excited about right. this team for the first time in 20 years and then they went like seven and nine <laughs> yeah it's gonna be a great atmosphere in cleveland I, I mean i took in my first browns game last year and and they were playing the chiefs and everybody knew they were gonna lose to the chiefs and it was a shootout it was a back and forth game a lot of points were scored but it was just a great atmosphere because at that time cleveland like the fans knew like they were kind of on the rise but they also mm-hmm. know they're not going to win the game so they're just having a great time but there are some expectations here and you know I wouldn't be surprised if you know, they lived up to them to be honest yeah. with you I just I, I just really wouldn't so we didn't go over every game we've, between us we've actually kind of touched on several were, were there any because I'll, I'll just talk about a couple of them before we get into our survivor picks and a little bit of strategy I'll just go through a couple here that we didn't talk about and maybe one that you felt like ah this is why I didn't like them or I, they were close to uh, I was close to putting them in my six. So uh, a couple of the games that we didn't talk about. Now, it is maybe you are listening to us on a Friday and the Bears-Packers game is already over. But Bears, three-point favorites against the Packers. Uh, we did not talk about Seattle being nine-point favorites against Cincinnati. We did not talk about the Super Bowl champ Patriots on Sunday Night Football against the Steelers, five-and-a-half-point favorites. The Cowboys, seven-point favorites against the Giants. Looking like Ezekiel Elliott will at least play a portion of that game, sign that huge contract. He'll be good to go. And then we also did not talk about the Saints seven point favorites against the Texans uh, at the Superdome so out of all those games also another one a coin flip Buccaneers and and 49ers out of all those games like is there one that you thought close about putting in or is there one that you're just like absolutely not not even touching it yeah one that was absolutely not not coming close to touching it is was Bears Packers Uh, I could just see anything going down in that game and I think the Bears are the better team and they're playing at home but uh, Aaron Rodgers owns the Bears to a ridiculous level. 
So I was just never, ever going to come close to touching that game. There's a lot of pressure on Mitch Trubisky's shoulders this year. I really think that that is a team where if Trubisky takes a step forward, they are a legit Super Bowl contender, one of the three or five best teams in the NFL. And if he doesn't, they struggle to make the playoffs. I really think that it all rests on him. So I want to see him out there for a few games before I start backing or fading the Bears. Uh, One that I did think about, um, and and I still could uh, end up playing uh, come this weekend, It was the Buccaneers against the 49ers, and my thought process there was very similar to what it was for the Raiders against the Broncos. I'm not sure why um, the 49ers are being treated as for sure a better team than Tampa. Uh, I mean, I understand that this was a team we were excited about last year before uh, the Jimmy Garoppolo injury, but I don't see why they should be treated as this clear better team. The fact that they are, now it's down to a pick'em spread on that. Uh, They were catching a point, uh, Tampa Bay was uh, at one point, uh, but either way, um, this to me feels like uh, not the, the uh, sort of uh, San Francisco being a favorite game that the, that Vegas is treating it as with them only being a pick on the road. Tampa Bay has what I think is going to be an excellent offense this year. I think Tampa Bay has probably got the best individual unit in that game. So the fact that you get that and all you need them to do is win the game and you win – I do like Tampa Bay a little bit going against San Francisco this weekend. I'm glad you touched on that. That I, I'm lockstep with you as well. I, I was I was a little bit surprised that this would be a pick. I mean, I know the Buccaneers are are not fantastic defensively, but at least you know offensively they were pretty good last year. And you bring in Bruce Arians and, and Godwin to take that step forward. They still don't have a run game. They still don't have a great offensive line. James Winston getting sacked five times in a preseason game is very discouraging. But at the same time, we haven't really seen a whole lot from Jimmy Garoppolo in a long time, right? And he did not look good in the preseason. This could be one of those wacky games where there's 50 points scored and both quarterbacks combined for six interceptions it certainly could happen (laughs) but I'm with you where I do like Tampa Bay at home and they were actually hard for me to leave out and it goes with my theory about two mediocre teams playing each other week one um, just Mm -hmm. kind of staying away from it so all right, let's let's go over to Survivor. We have a couple options for you guys. I'm sure you know throughout listening to the show, you could you can guess on a couple of them. Do you have a? I just want to before we get into the picks. Do you have like a plan that you do with Survivor? Like, do you have any sort of strategy? Do you have any stayaways? I stay away from divisional games. I stay away from teams on the road. Like we talked about week one being really wacky, and there's always at least one or two upsets. Like even when teams are favored by almost double digit points, we sometimes see that and being scared on Survivor. Week one, like what is your thought process heading into week one when you're talking about Survivor? Yeah, I'll almost always stay away from teams on the road. Obviously, if you progress in your Survivor pools, you're going to have to bend on some of these rules at some point. Um, But in general, I'm going to I'm going to stay away from teams on the road. Division games don't bother me too much. Um, And I also don't try to get too cute with uh, thinking about you know, pool equity and pot odds too early in the season. Obviously, losing a survivor pool in week 10 and losing in week two is effectively the exact same thing. Although some people might say, hey, you got eight additional weeks of enjoyment out of your entry fee. And, you know, I, I suppose that's true. Um, so I'll think, but I'll, I won't think about that till much later in the season. Um, or if there is such an overwhelming favorite that maybe it makes a little bit of sense to go away from them and hope that, you know, a loss by them takes out 40% of your pool and that you're still left standing. Otherwise, uh, early in the season, I'm going to play it pretty straight. And uh, I think uh, we, uh, in the picks that we talked about before we uh, started recording this, we're playing it pretty straight this week. Yeah, I think there are four options. Philadelphia Mm -hmm. against Washington. Seattle against Cincinnati, Dallas against the Giants, and I suppose we could throw in as a fourth, potentially Baltimore at Miami, Mm. and that would throw out the theory, and I'm with you. 
picking a road team. Yeah. So See, I wouldn't. I would stay away. I, yes. I, if I was going to, th- I agree with you on the Eagles, the Seahawks, and the Cowboys. If I was going to look at a fourth, it would actually maybe be Cleveland. Okay, Cleveland, sure. And I'm not. I'm not going to go there with Baltimore. I'm not. And yeah. I know that I picked them on my spread. And that may seem weird for people to hear. Oh, you're going to pick my seven. You're not going to pick them, uh, Survivor. I just don't feel like there's really any need to do that on, mm-hmm. on week one and, and picking a road team and, and, and really just like, who knows. Right. But right. I do f- still feel strong about Baltimore and something that I've done over the past couple years. And, and, and some people listening may think that this is whack and I understand that. And I don't look too far ahead because things change yeah. so quickly. You can't just look at week eight and week nine, and week 10 and who you're going to pick. And that, that strategy will be thrown out the window. Guarantee you, if you're new to the survivor pool, who you think, you thought could win in week nine potentially could be an underdog at that point of the season. Like things <laughs> right. just can, can completely happen. But I do look ahead at week two and week three, for example, mm-hmm. Baltimore next week against Arizona at home, better spot to take them if you want to. Certainly. Um, New England at Pittsburgh, New England against Pittsburgh eh, next week, um, you know, playing Miami, much better spot. And then I'll just look ahead at week three and week four. Where, is there other spots there that I could take some teams and I can like them? So for example, Dallas, like the fact that they're playing uh, the Giants this week, Zeke back, feel confident about them. But maybe I want to pick them in week two against Washington. Maybe I want to pick them week three against Miami. So that that's what I'm looking at. Just those, just not planning too far ahead, but planning ahead a couple weeks. Just looking at the matchups, what I'm going to do for week two, what I'm going to do for week three. Just having some options in the back of my head, back of my mind, what I'm going to do. So it's not a strategy for everyone to take. And again, things do change, but I've had some success doing this before in the past. So that brings me to what I will pick for Survivor, and then I'll let you go, and that's Seattle. I'm going to pick the Seahawks at home against a banged-up, already banged-up Bengals team. They're missing some guys. A.J. Green not there. And what I've seen from Seattle in their last 10 home openers, all Ws, no team has scored more than 16 points against them, and they have outscored their opponents 238-74 to in those season openers. That is a stat from here, that podcast growling, which you can catch at the Athletic with Paul Daner Jr. and Jay Morrison. So I feel pretty strong, at least about Seattle winning the football game. Nine and a half is a little scary. Who knows about that garbage time? I'm sure since he's going to be throwing the ball, playing catch-up, Tyler Boyd and Mixon and Geo to the backfield, potentially that backdoor cover. Uh, but I do feel pretty strong about Seattle getting this win at home. Who do you like? Yeah. I'm in a couple of different survivor pools, so I've got my uh, picks spread a little bit, but the only teams that I'm backing are Philadelphia and Seattle. And Seattle, every reason you said, Philadelphia, every reason we both said when we both backed them uh, to cover the 9.5 against Washington this week. Uh, And this just more speaks to the fact that I'm not messing around in week one. No reason to mess around in week one. No reason to think about pool equity or pot odds just yet. No reason to try to plan way into the future, like you said. There will be days for that, mm-hmm. assuming we survive a few weeks. But for now, just get that easy win and move on. I like Philadelphia best if I had to pick one, but I've got my four survivor entries split with two on Philly and two on Seattle. Yeah, I'm the same way. I've, I've went back and forth with those two teams and with Philly and Seattle. Uh, so, we're gonna again, we're going to hold, hold ourselves accountable here. If these two teams win, I mean – or lose we're out of survivor maybe the whole world is but we feel pretty confident (laughs) about these two squads so and you know what you want to tweet us um any questions that you have maybe lines move injuries m beller is where you can follow michael beller on twitter 
I am at Chris Meany. You want to give your your six picks, you want to feel involved in the show, feel free. Hashtag my six if you want. Uh, we'll take a look at them, and, and you can be involved in the show that way. So, again, what I said off the top, uh, lots going on here at The Athletic. Lots of podcasts, lots of great fantasy chats, rankings, start and sit stuff, week one stuff. Uh, and not even just fantasy aside, there's also a lot of great stuff at The Athletic. So 40% off, head over to theathletic.com slash podcast expansion. Anything else, Beller, before we get out of here? Uh, I'm. We got the debut of the ranking show coming later this Ooh. afternoon. I'm recording that in 90 minutes, actually. So that'll be up for you this afternoon. It's me, Jake Seeley, Brandon Funston, getting uh, you ready to have all your fantasy lineups set for week one. That's how you know it's really here. Now we're talking start-sit on top of everything, <laughs> and we're really putting guys into lineups and knowing that they're going to be playing. The season has arrived, my friend. Yes, it has. Make sure you uh, really put Jake Seeley to the to the test there with his rankings. <laughs> Call him yeah, out. Definitely. He loves that. He loves it. Yeah, please, <laughs> as much as you can. All right, from Beller and myself, Chris Meany, uh, enjoy week one, guys. It's finally here. Hopefully uh, you get some winners out there for you. You advance in your survivor pools. You take down some big bucks. We'll be here week two. Enjoy the week, guys. Cheers.